This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hello, hello, friend. Thanks for joining for yet another episode. Today, fall and winter, and what the heck to do <laughs> during this time to, to prep for bike season, because bike season will be here before you know it. Now, of course, there are some caveats here. This is really just pertaining to the Northern Hemisphere listeners. You folks in the Southern Hemisphere, I see you on my uh, podcast stats. So you just have to wait out and, uh, and get to this next year, maybe. So for us, of course, fall and winter, it might mean less time spent in the saddle biking period for, for many of us, but it doesn't mean that you have to lose all of your training and conditioning from the previous season. And that's the whole point of me doing this episode is because it's incredibly important to realize that you don't have to lose everything that you've already gained with the entire season that is behind you. Now, of course, this is weather dependent based on where you spend your time in the fall and winter geographically. Like I said earlier, especially for those of you in the Southern versus Northern hemispheres, but here in Denver, I will go ahead and say that we can pretty much bike year round. You know, we usually have a mild winter and the, and the roads don't get really icy and dicey. So generally speaking, you know, we can always get to the trails. It's when they start to kind of get become snud or smud, as some folks call it, a mixture of snow and mud, which can happen especially since we, when we do get snowstorms here in the Denver, Denver area, if you haven't been to Denver, Denver is essentially, we're in a valley. All right. Uh, you know, and I wouldn't even necessarily call it a valley per se. Like we're not in a, um, we're not flanked by mountains, but we are in the foothills before going into the mountains. So our winters tend to be fairly mild compared to other places that do get wintry conditions, more, winter, more wintry conditions. Because of that, we and we do also get a lot of sun, a ton of sun. So we'll also have a snowstorm followed by a good amount of sun afterwards. And it just makes things a little bit interesting when it comes to our conditions here. Now, of course, other places that I've lived throughout the U.S., you know, Missouri, forget about it. You can't really uh, bike year-round there, at least on the trails, just because it can get really icy there. Um, you can certainly, they have a little bit more of an extended season in Missouri, but same reasons here. It just depends on the winter season. Of course, Arizona and new parts of New Mexico. Yeah. You all can, can bike year round winter doesn't matter to you. Uh, same thing in California, most of California. And then of course, parts of Florida and the South and things like that. Now in Texas, can't forget freaking Texas and Louisiana and all of, all of you coastal state folks, except for you you poor suckers in the, in the Northeast. <laughs> um, now I'm only saying that too, cause my parents are from the Northeast. So, you know, it all depends, but I will say, you know, when the, when the trails are slowy or, or slowy, when they're slushy or snowy, uh, and they're, you know, just everything snow packed where you live and maybe you're not really a fan of fat biking. Guess what? It is okay to take a break from biking you know, it's, it's actually really smart to do another sport that doesn't involve the pedal stroke. And 
I only say that because it gives your body and your brain a little bit of a break. And there's nothing wrong with fat biking. I am not anti-fat biking or anything like that. So don't, don't put words into my mouth. But there is a time and a place for doing cycling-specific training. And sometimes your body just needs a break, especially if you really went heavy and hard during the actual season, you know, during the actual biking season, then yeah, you might need a little bit of break. So that's why I'm kind of talking about all of this. But please know that there are still great ways to spend your fall and winter training on and off the bike for when the springtime rolls around and then you're ready to get back on the saddle and, uh, and impel your little happy heart out. All right. Now I like to think of the fall and winter seasons, or you can just call it kind of the off season for most of us, um, as a time when you can pause, you can reflect and really you can work on your weaknesses while also enhancing your strengths. So today I'm going to give you my top 10 things that you can do in your off season. 10 sounds like a lot. I know you're going to be like, holy hell, that's, that's really overwhelming, Jen, but it's really not that bad. So don't be scared. Make some, oops, make some adjustments to my mic here and dive right in. All right. First things first, it's important to always have, give yourself the opportunity to reflect and assess, ask yourselves, Ask yourself what went well and what didn't go so well this past season. Where did you experience any pain or discomfort on or off the bike? Do you have any weaknesses on the bike that you've experienced? Any types of gaps in your training? Whatever you might need to focus on for the off season, you're going to have to put in a little bit of effort and do a reflect and assess period. This is incredibly important and this is probably the number one thing that people just don't stop and pause and and reflect on. And it's it's unfortunately doing themselves a disservice because then they're doing the same damn thing every single year and they're not necessarily getting themselves out of that situation. So reflect and assess, step number one. Once you identify those things, great, let's hammer them home. And that's where, that's when you, once you do reflect and assess and you identify the things that you want to focus on, that's when the next steps can come into play. Okay. Number two, choose some goals. They can be races. They can be events. They can just be goals, period. Or maybe a big ride you want to do that is a lofty, a lofty goal for you. Whatever it is, choose what you want to do next season And register for them if they do require registration. Sign up for those emails if they do require, you know, notifications for the first chance to get tickets or registrations or whatever. Add them to your calendar. Give yourself a a little goalpost to reach for. I love goals. I love having them in your calendar. I love having them spoken aloud with friends and family and your coach. And it gives you something to look forward to because even though I'm a real big fan of process goals and behavioral goals to get to that end goal, you have to kind of have an idea of where you want to go. And that's where these goals and and events and things like that can really come into play. And again, they don't have to be races. And you can also listen to my previous episode about racing. And if you don't want to race, because you don't have to race if you don't want to race, you can show up to race however you want to. And I'm, you know, I'm probably going to have to do a whole other podcast episode on that because that in and of itself is a great topic to talk about. And um, on my docket too is another podcast episode that I want to record just talking about 
kind of how to, how to plan your race season, you know, how to, how to figure out what races you want to go to, figure out your goals and all this other stuff, and then how to figure out what, what you want your race season to look like. Okay. But that's again, future topics. So stay tuned. Um, but get an end post or an end goal on your calendar, have it in mind, stick it on a post note, put it on your desk somewhere or someplace you're going to see it regularly and get the hell after it. Number three, of course, I'm a big fan of this one. Strength train, seriously, strength train and work to increase your power. If you're having a hard time with the climbing, if you're having a hard time with everything else, yes, that can be related to your cardio health, which is going to be another point here in a minute, but having more power that you can express to your pedals is going to save you in the long run when you're climbing and when you're going after things that are getting you breathless and are, are really challenging you on and off the bike, get strong, get powerful. Of course, today, the date that this podcast episode is releasing, October 10th, we're starting a new, uh, basically a whole new program, whole new phase of the Shred Strong program. Yes, I am biased as a strength coach that more cyclists do need to do strength training, but there's a reason for that. Strength training, it does get you stronger. It does help to increase your power. It does help with your cardio health also in a different way, but it also makes you more freaking resilient mentally and physically. You're doing hard things outside of your bike rides and outside of your life. You're doing hard things in other ways in the gym or maybe at your home gym or what have you. You're doing hard things there, both mentally and physically. And that is really preparing you for those challenges that you meet on and off the bike. I cannot emphasize how important strength training is. Really, find a program. I don't care if it's strength, if it's shred strong or not. I mean, of course I'm biased because I, I don't with shred strong, I'm not looking to increase your volume too much to where you're feeling fatigued and overtrained and just ugh, not so great. So yeah, I'm biased about shred strong because I've seen plenty of other programs out there that don't push you hard enough, first of all, or that don't push you or push you too hard. And there is a balance between those two points. And I really think that, you know, more coaches kind of need to seek that out. Um, but definitely strength train, work to increase your power. These are magical elements to your, to your riding. And then to, to go into the next couple of steps here. So step number four is really to, to focus on your flexibility and stability work as well. If you are walking around like a tin man and you're having a hard time just bending over, touching your toes or, or reaching for things, or maybe if you are, if you happen to bend over and reach for something and that low back issue pops up that you've had for years. This is a problem that, first of all, should be addressed with a physical therapist, a trained physical therapist. Uh, cannot emphasize that enough. But also, if it's a recurring issue, you really do need to seek out a PT. If you're constantly going to the same PT and you're having the same exact issue and they're giving you the same exact exercises, you need to find a different PT, especially if you are truly doing those PT exercises. I'm being very blunt. I'm being very... Uh, vocal about this right now because it is so frustrating for me when I work with clients and they're stuck going to the same PT because it's who they've gone to for the last 10, 20 years or whatever. It's who they have that relationship with. And I have this gut instinct because I'm a certified health coach. I have to request or suggest a second opinion 
when something doesn't sit well with me. And oftentimes it is someone who says that, well, first of all, the, the one the one camp is people who just don't do their PT exercises. For the love of God, friend, please do your PT exercises. If a PT is taking time out of their day and you are paying them to take that time out of their day and your day as well, so this is time and money that you were spending, then do the damn exercises. And I get very frustrated with this because I do. I hear it from clients that I work with and friends. I went to the PT, it didn't really do anything. Yeah, it's because you're not doing the exercises because that's usually the thing that I, that I ask next. You know, like, hey, when was the last time you did your exercises? Ooh, yeah, about that. Not doing the exercises. So that's the one camp. The second camp are people who are truly doing the exercises, doing the homework after they see their PT, but then they're continually having these issues. There is going to be an underlying issue and you need to get a second opinion with another PT. Not all PTs are created equal. Same thing with not every doctor is created equal. Not every nurse is created equal. Not every coach is created equal. That is why you should go and seek someone else for a second opinion. So please, flexibility and stability work. Flexibility, sorry with my aligners, it kind of blends together. But with flexibility and stability work, these go hand in hand, okay? Yes, you should be able to bend over and touch your toes. You know, yes, you should be able to bend over and get something off the floor and not have it tweak something in your back. You know, if there is an underlying issue, please get it looked at by a medical professional who can diagnose you with these things. That's another thing. I'm a coach. I cannot diagnose. That is way out of my scope of practice. Believe me, I would love to have that that power or that knowledge, I think, to empower my clients to heal themselves. But I didn't go to medical school. Go to someone who is a DPT, doctor of physical therapy, please. Um, but with flexibility and stability work, I will go ahead and say that's included in the Shred Strong program for a reason because it is so incredibly important. And a lot of times, sometimes you just need more stability in order to actually be able to move in a certain plane, i.e. on the bike and also off the bike. Um, but to be able to move into that in that plane safely and confidently and, and with just with a good base. And I think that that's incredibly important. Now, if yoga is your thing, do yoga. Yoga is fantastic for increasing uh, flexibility and also some stability too with some of those holds. They're very plank-like. So that can really help with stability. But um, but seriously, you know, get into some yoga, even if it's like once a week and it doesn't even have to be a full hour. That's the other thing. You can do yoga for like 10 minutes and still get a benefit from that. Hell, even five minutes, still get a benefit from that. Do the pigeon pose, do some hip openers, do some cat cows, do some downward dogs, up dogs, whatever you need to do. Now, of course, if you're doing the up dog, squeeze your butt. That'll help kind of reinforce your low back, if you, especially if you have a low back issue. But seriously, do some flexibility and stability work. And for the love of, for the love of dog, do your PT exercises if you, if you have any. All right, number five. <laughs> I'm gonna step down from my snowbox from my soapbox now. Uh, number five is base miles. So, you know, you're gonna be working on strength training and increasing your power as well as flexibility and stability. Great. Let's add some base in there because it's all about I'm all about that base. Base miles basically are these the aerobic conditioning baseline that you're doing in the off season. You know, it can be done indoors or outdoors. And the caveat here, the kicker rather, is that you can do it on an indoor trainer, sure. I highly recommend you check out Zwift's new uh, indoor trainer. If, if you're like, Jen, dude, indoor trainers, 
they're so expensive because yeah, they can be over a thousand dollars plus and that's not in everyone's budget. And I recognize that, but Zwift is getting ready to release or has released the new indoor trainer. I don't know the name of it. It's kind of been under wraps these past few weeks. I've been waiting for them to launch it, but hopefully by the time that this is published, it will be, um, it will be released so just check out Zwift's new trainer. They did price it at like $4.99, I think. So it's under $500. So it's half the price of a lot of trainers. And it does a lot of the same thing. And they're doing they're doing this on purpose because they want it to be more accessible for folks, um, especially for folks you know who live in very wintry places and maybe don't have the opportunity to get outside. Um, or maybe they're not safe to be out, getting outside. Uh, for a variety of reasons. So get some base miles in. I'd aim for at least one, you know, at least one longer, longer ride every week. That's always my rule of thumb as a coach is to get in one good base mile distance a week. And I know you're thinking, well, how long should that be? That depends. Depends on what your base, what your base is now. What are you used to riding now? If you're used to riding 20 miles on a mountain bike trail, great. That's going to be equivalent to more than 20 miles on a road or gravel situation. Okay. Uh, so it all depends, but I would say like, try to work up to getting a good base distance in a minimum of 20 miles. That should be your, that should be a good minimum goal. All right. And, um, if you only have an hour to ride every week for a long ride, you know, during the winter season, because maybe you do other things, maybe you're skiing, maybe you're doing, you know, other sports, you're a snowshoer, you're a cross-country skier, you're alpine skier, you're backcountry skier, you do some snowmobiling. I mean, again, I'm not here to share my opinions about any of these sports, but maybe these are things that bring you joy. Fantastic. Continue to do those, but try to work in at least one longer ride every week. That way you can continue to, to have those base miles. All right, number six, Train your weaknesses. Do some skill work. Seriously, optimize your pedal stroke maybe if you find that you need to do that. You can do that on an indoor trainer if you need to. But when I say train your weaknesses, I mean figure out what skills you want to work on that aren't necessarily trail specific or on the trail specific and are maybe something that you can do in your alleyway or driveway or local park if the weather is okay and maybe it's sunny, you know, one day or, or what have you. And this isn't something you have to do every day, ideally once a week, but even if it's like a couple times a month, that is still much better than no times a month, right? So think about, you know, what are some weaknesses or things that you want to work on skill-wise that maybe you saw some gaps or areas of opportunity in this past season. Um, areas of opportunity, that sounded so corporate. Uh, did not mean to say that, but it is actually a great phrase. <laughs> I will go ahead and say that. Uh, it might be corporate, but it is a really, really good phrase. But training your weaknesses will help you go into the new season feeling refreshed and ready to, um, to kind of go go after it, you know, get after it. You're going to feel a lot more confident on the bike. Uh, and I very easy thing to do that you can do on a sidewalk that's not icy is a track stand. Seriously. Do a track stand. It's a skill that a lot of folks need to work on. You can work on your braking. You can work on your ratcheting. If you just stick a, an object on the sidewalk or in your driveway or at the park 
and just circle around it on your bike. Practice your ratcheting. Practice your quarter strokes. Seriously, there are plenty of ways that you can kind of uh, work on some sort of thing that maybe it's not even your weakness per se, but it's maybe not something that you're the best at, you know, you're really good at. Um, But maybe you just want to get a little bit better at it. So, you know, weakness is a variable term. It's very subjective, but train it, train it, whatever they are. Now, also training your weaknesses could be strength deficiencies. So if you identified where you are sore in your step number one, when you reflect it and assessed, if you identify places where you're sore and you experience any type of pain or discomfort on or off the bike, then guess what? Those are areas of weakness. Those are going to be areas that you should probably work on. If your low back gets sore when you're mountain biking long days, you might need to be doing some glute work and low back strengthening exercises and core strengthening exercises. And the core does include low back. I know that, but like, I'm just letting folks know that you need to work the whole thing, the 360 degrees around your core, around your waist, um, and working some glute stuff. You know, a lot of that stuff can really help working in some hamstring health. Like all of that goes hand in hand with training your weaknesses and with the strength training that you should be following. Okay. So get out there, get it done. All right. Number seven, service your bike. Hint, hint. And also check your gear for any type of wear. Check your cleats. If you, if you wear clipless pedals, check your pedals. Are there, are there any cracks in them? Are your, your handlebars looking a little rough? <laughs> are your, uh, your grips looking even rougher? Great. Use this time now in the downtime to replace some of that stuff. That way, when springtime rolls around, you're, like, you're not like, oh, shit, I still need to do my, my lowers on my fork. I still need to get my brakes bled. I still need to get some new brake pads, all this stuff. And guess what? Everyone is taking their bike in during the spring. Don't wait until the spring. Don't make that mistake. Do it during the winter when the bike shops are a lot slower. And then guess what? You're going to you're gonna feel great because then all you have to do probably when winter rolls around is maybe fill up your, your tubes, if you have tubeless rather, you're going to have to fill up your tires rather with some stands or, you know, whatever liquid you decide to use uh, for, your, for your tires. But use the time now to get ahead of that. Plus, it could also be even a holiday present if you need it. If, you're, if your partner or friend or family are trying to look for ways to spoil you this holiday season, if that's your thing, then yeah, maybe a little gift certificate at the local bike shop will come in handy. So service your bike, check your gear for any wear. This does also include like your chamois if you wear that, your shorts, did you rip any holes in them, uh, your gloves, do you need to go ahead and get some more gloves, socks, socks, socks. If your toes are sticking out of your socks, please just either stitch them up if you know how to do that, um, you know, repair them or, uh, you know, stick a patch on some things, stick a patch on your shorts. Seriously, the list goes on, but you, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Just make sure that you don't have any, any, uh, any of your body parts that can like just kind of come out of your, come out of your clothing. You know, no one wants to see that, that hole on the back of your shorts and see your butt. So patch it up. Get some patches going Uh, and service that bike, please. Support your local bike shop. Number eight, build mental resilience with some cold weather training. This is fantastic because it will actually be optimal for you. Because when springtime rolls around, you know, we always get those days when no matter where you're living, they're just a little bit colder. 
a little bit cooler in the morning, but morning time is the only time that you have to ride or get outside. Great. Doing some winter training will help that and will help you with that mental hurdle that you might have on those days when you have a cold rainstorm or you get stuck on the mountain at the bike park in the summer in a hailstorm. It will just help you with that mental resilience aspect of training out in the cold. Plus, training out in the cold can kind of be a little bit of fun. It can be something different, you know? It can be, I know I'm kind of out of a nut job like saying this, but it can just be something just kind of fun. I, I don't know how else to say it. It can be a challenge, yes, but it can also show you what type of base layers you might need come the springtime. So it can be really beneficial for you because the more you're exposed to cold, the more you're going to be able to kind of work those mental muscles into uh, in the physical muscles <laughs> so your body gets used to it but you're going to be more apt to be flexing those muscles both physically and mentally to get through that cold weather all right it's a huge deal all right last two are more about you and your own type of personal growth here step number nine or tip number nine rather is to dial in your nutrition and hydration This is a common thing that I see that is lacking for a lot of individuals. They usually skip breakfast and just go right for their mountain bike ride or they'll, you know, go and do their training and they're doing things fasted, which is fine if that's actually their goal and they do feel better doing that. Uh, Maybe they don't digest enough or they just don't have enough time in the morning, i.e. with, you know, kids or work or schedule or whatever, and they just have to get their workout done. But then there's other folks who do have the time, you know, maybe they've been up since 5 a.m., And they do have the time to eat and whatnot, but they're not necessarily eating optimally before a bike ride or before training or things like that. This is when it can be really helpful. Hire someone. You know, you can always hire a coach. You can always explore this or you can always explore this on your own. It's totally up to you. But definitely pause, reflect again, reflect and assess step number one and figure out if nutrition and hydration are things that you need to focus on. Were you, you know, continually bonking on your bike rides? Were you under hydrated? Were you pretty parched? Did you just not have a ton of energy after your bike rides? Or, you know, were you pretty listless and just having a difficult time sleeping? Um, if you're restless and at, in bed, you know, things like that, those can be signals that maybe you're just not eating enough. You're not fueling enough. And I do see this quite often, especially with female folks that I work with. Um, they tend to just under eat because again, you know, they're trying to get into that, to that quote unquote bike weight. They're trying to lose weight and they want to lose fat. And then they're trying to eat close to 1200 to 1500 calories a day. And that sometimes is just not enough. It's not enough for, for me, I would say most people, you know, a lot of my athletes, especially my high performing athletes, they're eating over 2000 calories in a day because they're active and that's at a minimum, like 2000 calories is their minimum. Now I will say like a couple of them, especially they're eating close to 2,500 calories in a day and that's kind of their baseline more or less. And then they're usually eating even more than that if they're biking more. (laughs) So I'm saying this because these are individuals who, yeah, they happen to be lean as well. Um, and they're muscular, you know, they, they lift, they're in my, my training programs. Uh, they need this energy. The energy that you consume is the energy that you are expending on and off the bike. And if you're feeling just under, if you're feeling like you're dragging, then something needs to be 
done. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need a type of medication unless, of course, you have a medical condition that requires that. But that doesn't mean that you are lacking in something and you might need medication for a certain thing. It just might mean that you you might need to just dial in your nutrition and hydration. I, I can't I can't tell you how important this is. And then this also goes in with step number 10. So tip number 10 for what to do in the off season is to build other healthy habits that you're seeking. Things like sleep, like I talked about a moment ago, focusing on recovery, maybe introducing mindfulness or meditation into your life, journaling, maybe moving more in your day and walking more, getting more steps in. Maybe your goal is to uh, spend more time with your family and loved ones for connection because that is incredibly important. Whatever it is for you, if you feel like there's an area in your life, maybe it's your spiritual and religious area, you know, that little subset of your life, whatever area of your life might feel like it's lacking, use the off season to explore this a little bit more and to establish a habit with it. Because then when springtime, summertime rolls around and you're biking a little bit more, it's going to be more a part of your schedule and more part of your life because that's what that's what happens when you build a healthy habit, you know? Um, but these tips number nine and 10 about dialing in nutrition and hydration as well as building other healthy habits that you were you seeking, these can stem from tip number one, you know, of you pausing and reflecting and assessing on what you need. What are some gaps that you have in your life that you want to fill? Because we all have them. I know for me, you know, I definitely want to focus a little bit more on my sitting meditation and journaling because that does give me pause in my day, makes me a better coach, makes me reflect more on my life and makes me enjoy things a little bit more, makes me feel more grateful for the things in my life. And it, it brings me a little bit more of connection with other things going on in my life. So these last couple of tips are seriously such game changers for folks. You know, we can only put band-aids on, on things for just a limited period of time. You know, if you're having a hard time sleeping and you're just filling it with more and more and more and more and more caffeine, that is going to snowball. And that's just going to trickle down and give you things that are, that are just not going to be having you feel great. Okay. So please know you can only stick so many band-aids on your situation there comes a time and a place where you just say, you know what, enough, I need to take care of myself. And I think a lot of folks are kind of reaching that point right now after summer and, um, are, are expressing that, you know, to me, which is great because I want them to experience what it's like to kind of focus on them for a little bit. And I want that for you. I want you to think about these last 10 things that I, that I listed for you, these top 10 things that you can do in the off season And I want you to think about what you want to take away from this, right? So real quick recap, number one, reflect and assess. Number two, number two, choose some goals could be races or an event, but choose some goals, get them on your calendar and register for them. If they require registration, number three, strength train and work to increase your power. Nudge shred strong. Uh, number four, flexibility and stability work. Maybe add in some yoga, whatever you need. Number five, get some base miles in at least one day a week. Get that aerobic work in. Could be on an elliptical for crying out loud. I don't care. Whatever it is for you. Could be cross-country skiing if you're a cross-country skier. Whatever it is for you, get some some heart-healthy base miles in because it's just good for you and it's going to feel really good too. Um, And plus it'll get you obviously aerobically fit for springtime. All right, number six, train your weaknesses. Do some skill work. 
optimize things in your pedal stroke, whatever it is for you. Number seven, service your bike and check out your gear for anywhere. Number eight, build mental resilience with cold weather training. Number nine, dial in your nutrition and hydration with or without a coach, whatever you need. Number 10, build in other healthy habits that you that you find that you need to address or that you want to address, I should say. Things that are just making you feel like there's a, there's a hole in your life. And then you want to fill it. You want to fill it positively, okay? So seriously, stop and think about these top 10 things. What are your favorites? What do you think you can do more or less of in the colder months? Plan, think about it, do it, and just, just do it. Just do it. You're going to have to embrace the Nike theme and just do it. But I hope you love this episode. If you want to build and enhance your nutrition and healthy habits, then great. Check the link in the bio, uh, or not the link in the bio, but the link in the show notes that I'm going to connect you to. That is how you can connect with me. You can apply to work with me. I am here to be your guide through all of this and to make it a little bit more simple, less of a headache and less overwhelming. And we're going to focus on one dang thing at a time. All right. And of course I'm there guiding you every step of the way, which is really cool. And it's what I love to do. But I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, go ahead and share it on the social media uh, channel of your choice and tag me at Shift Human Performance. That way I can see it and share it in in uh, in respect <laughs> and in gratitude. Um, but I hope you have an amazing and beautiful day. And I hope you also make this week amazing. I'll see you next week.